Athletic Brewing. I cracked open an Upside Dawn Golden Athletic Brew. And let me say this. No matter what you're looking for in a great non-alcoholic beer, the answer is always athletic. Great flavor? It's athletic. Award-winning styles? It's athletic. Huge variety? It's athletic. Fit for all times. That's a registered trademark, guys. Enjoy them anytime, anywhere, without ever slowing down your summer. Beach days, music festivals, swim meets, camping, late nights, early mornings, literally wherever summer takes you. And here's the best part to me, zero hangovers the next day. Mm -hmm. This summer, ask for the only non-alcoholic beer or brew you need to know. Athletic. Head to askforathletic.com to find it near you and use code TA2024 to get 15% off your first online order. That's code TA2024 at checkout for 15% off your first order. Near beer. Exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company. Fit for all times. And everyone is paying attention to Kobe Bryant. They start with Shaq. He gives it to Walton. Here comes Kobe. Less than five from way outside. Got it! Oh, man! With 2.1. Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant. Whatever that it is, Al, he has it. He has the ability to make big Azubuki kept it alive, but Kobe with the rebound. Warriors cannot buy a triple. Kobe wheeling. What a play to Turioff. And the foul. Patty A watching Kobe. Stooping, driving, and putting it in. How in the world did he do that? He passed to himself off the backboard. That was a line. How are you doing? Great. I like the audience. Everybody's excited to see it. How you doing? What's going on? Everything all right? Everything's yeah. good, man. Enjoying retirement? Is it fun? I'm enjoying retirement. I mean, I know you're doing a lot of other things, but... Yeah. But it's fun. Gotcha. I'll get a chance to watch the game from Yeah, Chuck. you're coaching. Yeah. I am coaching. So How many games in a row would the Lakers have to lose for you to unretire, for you to come back to the team? <laughs> If we got to 20, you would think about it, right? Hey, they go 0-5, I'll tell you. You will think about it, huh? Yes. You got a good change of direction by Brian. Slam dunk. There will be no charge because the man's in that new painted imaginary circle. I think that's what the fans came to see. And you talk about elevation. Chick, he went up to the rafters before he decided to put somebody on a poster. Good evening. It is Sunday, January 26th. Um, I'm David Aldridge. Uh, I'm in D.C. Uh, we have Zach Harper from uh, our staff is in L.A. this evening. Uh, Marcus Thompson is in Oakland. And Michael Lee is uh, joining us from actually Lower Marion, Pennsylvania, just out a suburb, I guess you would call it, of Philadelphia. Uh, but Mike lives in Philly, so um, I want to thank all of you all for coming on this evening. Um, I, I'm not sure how this is going to go in terms of this podcast. Um, frankly, I'm not sure I'll be able to get through this podcast. Um, the irony of that, of course, is that I would never pretend like Kobe Bryant and I were close friends. We weren't. Um, I live on the East Coast. He did all of his work in Los Angeles, obviously, over 20 years. I was out there a lot, saw a lot of his games out there, covered him a lot. Um, but, you know, there's a there's geographic distance makes it kind of difficult sometimes to really have a relationship with someone. Um, but having said that, I I am beyond devastated as everyone is today um, because there's just no way you can fathom this. Um, I got a text this, this late this morning from Michael Eves, a, a 
buddy of mine who works at ESPN, and I've known Michael for a long time, and he it, we hadn't talked in a few weeks, and he just texted me out of the blue and said, "Hey, how you doing? I just wanted to catch up with you." And I didn't answer him because I said, you know what? I'm just going to go – I want to go to the gym real quick. I'm going to go run for 45 minutes and then I will come back and I will answer Michael Eve's text. And of course, while I was at the gym, I saw this thing flash on the TV screen that just could not possibly be true. And um, the next few minutes for me were extremely difficult. Um, and so I don't want to monopolize the, the microphone tonight. I will let anybody say whatever it is they want to say for as long as they want to say it. Yeah, this this is uh this is not good, man. Um <laughs> I was I was uh at my daughter's first volleyball tournament and she's playing in her first ever game. Hmm. And I'm so I'm watching and you know, my wife shows me some posts on Instagram and I waved it off like, yeah, whatever. And like instantly after that, my phone start going off. So like I had to get up and leave my daughter's first game yeah. because I just couldn't. It was it was surreal. It was crazy. I had to see if it was true or not. You know, and it's, uh, like and once I saw the Woj tweet, that's when I just kind of man, this it's it's insane. Uh, I, I just can't like this. It, this reminds me of 1996 when I was on campus at Clark Atlanta University, and we heard we got the news that Tupac died. But, like, it, it felt like it felt like that, like, just the hugest of gut punches uh, of somebody who you didn't know him, but they were a part of your life, like, in such a major way. So, yeah, this, this, this is as rough as it's been for me personally, like, just dealing with a, a celebrity death. Like, Michael, Michael Jackson comes to mind, too. But man, like just the inclusion of his daughter in this is is personally devastating uh, because I have one child and she's 12 and a half and she's an, uh, an athlete. And I'm, I, I've watched Kobe and his daughter play out their life in the same fashion that I'm, I'm planning to play out the life of my daughter, uh, albeit a different sport. So just the suddenness of how fast that could be taken away is, is it definitely hits home for me. Um, I can't think of a celebrity death or famous person's death that hit me harder than this one. Um, and I still am hoping that it's not true. I'm still hoping that somebody comes up and just says that, you know, oops, my bad mistake. It's not Kobe. <laughs> because um, it just doesn't seem real. It doesn't seem like it's possible that somebody who, you know, was such a tremendously talented, gifted, driven, you know, maniacal, just passionate um, athlete, um, you know, who had transitioned well to life after basketball could be gone, you know, at a time when he just seemed to be content with who he was, um, content with who he was becoming, content with being a father raising four girls and really inspiring his oldest to take on a sport that meant the world to him, you know, um, that meant everything to him. Um, you know, I, it's funny because I, I remember, you know, Kobe Bryant when he first, when I first was introduced to Kobe Bryant as this on TV <laughs> and he was this kid who had these sunglasses on his ball, shaved head, uh, declaring that he was going to the NBA draft. And I remember I was in college and I was thinking, who's this young punk who thinks he's ready <laughs> to play in the NBA? And it just drove me mad that this guy thought he was good enough to play in the NBA out of high school, a guard, no less. And it just infuriated me that he had this level of arrogance and confidence that he thought he could do this. Um, Cause we know that at that time, that just wasn't something that happened. You just don't leave. You go to college, you play four years, three years, maybe, if you're really good, and then you go to the NBA. And this guy said, I'm going straight to the league. And um, and it was tough for me, too, because I was a Lakers fan. And when the Lakers drafted Kobe, I was furious <laughs> because I didn't want him on my team because I already didn't like him. <laughs> and so I spent, you know, probably four years, uh, you know, you know, just like accepting him, you know, because Eddie Jones was my favorite player on the Lakers at the time. And Lakers were my favorite team. And so I love Nick Van Exel and Eddie Jones, and they traded 
Kobe Bryant. They traded Eddie Jones, and I was done with the Lakers. <laughs> and I was, and I hated Kobe even more because he's the guy that pushed my guy out of out of L.A. And so I say that because I disliked him until I met him. And I met him um, my first year covering the NBA. And um, he didn't know me from Diddley. Um, I just happened to be in L.A. I sort of convinced my editors at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that I could get Kobe Bryant one-on-one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they let me go to L.A. <laughs> and I don't even know how I pulled it off. But um, it was right around the time he had gone on this insane streak of games where he's getting 35 points a night. And he was just destroying teams because Shaq was hurt and he was really just carrying the Lakers, um, you know, as they were trying to go for um, four titles in a row. And um, and he was just on this insane tear. And so I stood there and waited for him to finish his interview. And then I walked up to him and I just said, hey, Kobe, uh, Michael Lee with the Atlanta General Constitution. And um, I flew all the way out here to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> And he commenced to give me seven minutes yeah. to talk about the run that he had been on and just what he what it meant for him to carry the Lakers during that stretch. And the whole time we were talking, I was like, man, I can't believe I hated this guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and just from that moment on, I, I'm not professing to be you know, friends with Kobe or having the greatest relationship with him. But I know that over the however many years that I covered him, that I thoroughly enjoyed talking to him. And that he would always be willing to give me time whenever, you know, um, we cross paths. You know, if I needed him for a couple extra minutes, um, I still remember uh, Allison Buckley, who's now running the uh, PR department there. One time I was in L.A. and I wanted to get Kobe when he was uh, trying to make a run for MVP in 08. And uh, Kobe didn't practice that day. and But he was there. And uh, and Allison told me just to hang out. Um <laughs> in the in the in the gym in the practice court until all the other beat writers were gone and then like about 10 minutes later kobe just popped his head out we wound up talking for a little bit and it's just stuff like that that i always remember because you know this is a guy at the top of his game this is a guy who was you know he's in a debate you know it's been one of the greatest to ever play the game but he was always accommodating he was always willing to to, to give me, you know, a little extra time. And that, that meant a lot for me, you know, being a young guy covering the league. So, you know, when he wound up retiring and and kind of, you know, going into this, you know, next phase of life, I was really excited to see what he was going to become. I was really excited to see what direction his life was going to take. You know, him winning an Oscar was sort of crazy. Um, but it really just spoke to just who he was and just how driven he is and how motivated he was to just dominate whatever he set his heart out for. And he was totally dedicated to dominate life. And that's the fact that it's taken away and that his daughter's life is taken away. It's devastating uh, for me, especially being a father now. Um, I have a young boy and um, I want to see him grow up. And and he doesn't know exactly what I was saying, but we, we, we've moved to Philadelphia just, you know, in the recent time. We just bought a house, you know, we live in the same community because we wanted my son to go to that high school because it's one of the best schools in the country. And um, and I was sort of joked. That's like, hey, you know, he, he, you know, I was talking about, say, you know, when you wind up playing hoops, you know, maybe Kobe will come back and offer you some pointers <laughs> and give you some tips, you know, when he comes back to Lower Marion. Um, that day's not coming. Mm. And I have a hard time thinking that that day's not coming and that those you know, his wife and his his three remaining daughters won't have a father anymore. That's that's devastating for me. It's hard. This one really cut deep because Kobe was one of the one of my favorite guys to cover. Hmm. He was one of my favorite guys to cover. Yeah, just it for me it just doesn't feel real, right? Like even still, even reading the stuff and watching coverage all day and everything, like I was you know, I didn't really pay attention to basketball. Saturday night, um, uh, even with LeBron passing Kobe, like I knew it happened and everything. I saw the tweets and then I was like, oh, I'll watch the game on Sunday uh, and and catch that moment. And then, you know, it, it hits a group chat of a question of just should Kobe die? And and like I'm immediately waiting for like 
a meme or a picture or a quote or something, right? Like just some kind of sarcastic, like about LeBron passing him. And I saw jokes last night of like, you know, Kobe's going to come out of retirement so that he can go past LeBron and everything. And and you just like, you feed into the mentality. And then once you see the news and then once you see the news about his daughter, like, it's just like, it, I don't know. It just, it's not supposed to, it's not supposed to end like that. And I, you know, it's funny, you know, Michael talking about, um, about, you know, hating Kobe early and everything is, you know, I grew up a, a Timberwolves fan. And, um, and so when they drafted Kevin Garnett, I'm like, yeah, this kid out of high school, this is great. You know, <laughs> I love this. And then the next year Kobe comes out and I see the same press conference and he says, he's taking his talents to the NBA. He's got the glass on his head. And hypocritically, I was like, who does this guy think he is? <laughs> right. Like, I mean, that was my, I just remember that being my reaction. But you know, what I must've been, I was 14 when he declared for the draft. Like I was, you know, just a, dumb kid as opposed to a dumb adult now. But I just, I remember thinking like, oh, who does he, this kid thinks he's Kevin Garnett? Like what, you know, how dare he and everything. And for a while, like I, I didn't hate Kobe and I didn't like him. I was just kind of like, I was, I was in awe and at the same time, a little offended at how brash he was <laughs> uh, just like the audacity to think you could mimic Michael and you could do all these things. And, um, and then I remember the night, like the night he scored 81, and granted, that's deep into his career, right? Of like not really having a position on COVID. But the night he scored 81, I was just like, okay, I get it. Like I like it all. It all makes sense. Like not even the titles, right? Like the titles and any any of that. It was the night he scored 81. I just remember thinking, like, all right, like that all makes sense to me now. Yeah. Weren't you there, Marcus? I I was there, but I uh, I left. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to be kidding. <laughs> no, no. Uh, you know, the Warriors played the early matinee game, right? And it was trash, whatever. And <laughs> so, you know, they got blown out. I wrote my story. I was tired. And if I, if I'm not mistaken, the Raptors were getting smashed or something like that. I was like. No, the Raptors were smashing the Lakers. No, they, yeah. yeah. He actually was, needed to score those 81 right, to yeah. win the game. Every single one. It, it, was, it was like a bad first half. I was like, all right, I'm out. This is done. <laughs> wow. Yeah, when I got to my hotel room, uh, and you know, you turn on the TV and it's on, and you're like, he was at like 60 or something. And I'm like, should I go back? Should I go <laughs> back? But but I, I, I just could not, I couldn't pull myself away from the TV. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to see every bucket. So but, but as a matter of fact, everybody who knows me, they believe that I was there. So hopefully they'll listen to this podcast because I'm like, yeah, I was at Staples today. <laughs> well, legally you were, right? Like that's, that's not a lie. I'm not lying. I was yeah. literally in the building the same day. You were there at, at one point during the day. <laughs> hey, 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 Marcus, you remember, if you remember, um, that was, I was in Oakland that week because um, I was doing a story of Monte Ellis and I, and I uh, was able to, you know, I was, was going to spend a week in Oakland and I was going to get, the Cavs, they came through the Lakers as they came through and like a bunch of other teams. And I was going to do a story on Monte Ellis while I was out there. And I remember I drove up to Sacramento and I got Kobe Bryant one-on-one. We talked for like 10, 15 minutes and he gave me this great stuff about how he got tired of the Jordan comparisons and how he wanted to have his own identity. Now he was sick of everybody always bringing, throwing MJ in his face and how this whole generation just wants to move on and, and create their own identity. And like, it was just great stuff. And, and it was crazy because I, when I went up to Sacramento, I thought that everybody would be there, but I was the only writer there. Um, because I guess at that point, the LA, you know, beat writers sort of made a pact that they wouldn't go to shoot arounds. So when I showed up, Kobe was still working out and he was the only guy there. And so he sat down and like, we just talked. And so mm -hmm. I got this exclusive stuff with him and I was like, this is going to be a great story. This is great. And, um, and I remember calling my editor and I was saying, I got a great interview with Kobe. I said, but I think I want to go to L.A., um, you know, to kind of go because the Warriors are playing. I was like, I, I can go check out, you know, see, do get some more scene with Monte. And I can also check out Kobe and get some stuff with him. And, um, and my editor's like, go. And I was like, yeah, the chick, the ticket's cheap. And she was like, go, go. If you if you feel like, you know, you, you can get some stuff out there, go. And I was so then I was like, I, I looked at the ticket and I thought about it. I was like, you know what? Nobody else got Kobe for 10 minutes or whatever. <laughs> I got the good stuff. There'll be nothing that tops what I got from him. <laughs> and so I said, I'm going to write, I'm going to write the story, you know, the Sunday night, turn it in, you know, have it in first thing in the morning, Monday. 
and everybody's going to be happy. And, you know, I have this great story and I'll have this, you know, great stuff. And so at like halftime, you know, I look at his score and I'm like, what, how many, he has how many points? And then third quarter, like he has how many points? And then I'm just banging the desk and I'm, I'm cursing because I can't believe that I, I, I should have been there. And I said, I, I wasn't going to go. And then like the very next day, you know, I wrote my story and it wound up hitting A1 on the Washington Post. So I felt pretty good. I hit A1, A1 on the Washington Post. It's was pretty good too. Mm. But nobody cared about my story because everybody's <laughs> talking about 81 points. Well, that, you, know, <laughs> you know, the funny thing about that, so for his for his last game, so, you know, he's making his he's making his tour and everything. And I was I was working at CBS Sports at the time. And, uh, and so, like, I'm in Salt Lake City for this game, uh, his last game in Utah and, you know, Andre Karolinko comes and they have a nice moment. I, yeah, I get to witness, like he goes over and, um, you know, he had heard that, uh, that Jerry Sloan, you know, wasn't doing well. So he goes over and has like a, a moment with, with him to just say hello and everything. It's just really cool vibes. And I'm like, I got to go to his last game. Right. So I hit up my editor. I'm like, yo, I, I want to cover Kobe's last game in LA. He goes, yeah, 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 no problem. And then for various reasons, the, uh, you know, leading up to that game, another writer there with, you know, seniority and more power pulls rank and says, no, no, no. Like throws a fit. Like, no, I want to be there. So I get, so I get moved to the Warriors 73, right? <laughs> they're playing Memphis. And so I'm like, wow, I'm going to catch the Warriors make history that night. He's going to score, you know, they're going to win 73 <laughs> games. Like, oh my God. Like I actually, you know, I get to watch history and everything. Like I'm, you know, psyching myself up for it. And I'm tweeting through this game, and Marcus, yeah, I don't even know, I don't even remember if you were there, Marcus, but it was, yeah, it was a, it was a blowout. There. I was there. I was there. Okay, it was a blowout, and uh, and and you know, Warriors are rolling teams like they rolled them all season long, and like I want to say, like early in the third quarter, I'm tweeting something about the Warriors game. I just get all these replies like, no one cares. Kobe's going <laughs> yes. for fifty. Kobe's <laughs> going for sixty. No one cares about this Warriors game, <laughs> and I, you know, I wrote some terrible game story, I'm sure, and then like, later I was like. Man, of all the games to miss, that was mm. the one where, like, I thought I was for sure gonna go, and I just, I was just sick. The rest of the night, I was, I cannot believe I missed this one because I didn't even get to watch it. I got to so watch it later. Like, I didn't get to watch it live. I've just seen all the tweets about it. You guys are, are really, you guys are jogging so many memories that that come to mind. Um, the first, um, I remember the first, the first time. I asked anybody in the NBA about Kobe Bryant. I asked an assistant coach that I really respected who had gone to scout him because in those days you scouted high school. You went to high school games because high school players were in the draft. So they had to go. And the guy came back and said, I've watched him three times. He can't shoot. You know, he's, his dribbles. Okay. Everybody thought he was, you know, he was going to go to Duke. That was kind of like the accepted thing at the time everybody kind of figured he had a relationship with coach k already for whatever however um and he wound up turning pro and so i go on i was at espn at the time and i go on national television and i had this like back in those days you had these notes columns that you did every week on tv and so basically i go on tv and i repeat exactly what the assistant coach told me he can't shoot he doesn't have a handle and at the end i said kobe you should have gone to college um so he waits as as he was want to do. <laughs> so I'm in LA at like six years later, and I'm covering something. I don't know what I'm covering. I'm covering something, and he scores like 47 or something, and the Lakers went easily. And so I go in the locker room afterwards, and I we're talking, and you know he's with the scrum, and everybody's talking, and he's looking. And, he, and at the end of the scrum, when everybody's done, he turns to me and he goes, "Should have gone to college, huh?" <laughs> He waited six years to do that to say that to me. <laughs> it's phenomenal. You know that, that that makes me think too about Kobe could get get the little jab in. He could get a real slight jab in because I remember uh, the interview I did right this MVP season, mm-hmm. and uh, and I I had really thought I thought he should have got the MVP in 2006 because I thought him averaging 35 was just an incredible accomplishment. And yeah. um and I made this real strong case about why he should have got it. He didn't get it. And so, and I was saying that Steve Nash got, you know, he got, he, he got it, but he had a lot more help than Kobe did. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that year, when I had the first question I asked Kobe, I said, isn't it funny how you're a much better player now that you have Paul Gasol mm-hmm. right. <laughs> and, he, and, he laughed and he, and he's like, yeah, that's right. He said, people don't realize, you know, I was playing with Kwame Brown, 
Smush Parker. And like he was just naming off all the bums on his team. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, yeah. I was like, and it's just like he just he knew how to just he, he got the little digs in right when oh, he needed to. Believe me, I, I and this is the part that I want to make sure we, we chat about um, is that, you know, Kobe was not all fuzzy, warm roses and chocolates. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. I, I can personally attest to that over many encounters over the years. Um, I was there and the, for game, I covered that Phoenix series when he took three shots in the second half of game seven. And I'm sitting next to the PR director of the Lakers at the time going, what's he doing? <laughs> and John Black just threw his hands up. He, I don't know. <laughs> just to prove a point because people thought he was selfish. I was just telling somebody the other day, I was recounting the story of the 2004 finals when they were going for the four Pete and they played the lake they played the Pistons. And we were doing a, whatever uh, pregame shot on the floor of Staples Center. And I remember to this day, the, the Pistons coming in and <clears throat> we were wrapping up and Larry Brown, who I had gotten to know from, from his Philly days, um, said, where are, you go- where are you going? What are you doing? And I said, well, we're leaving. And he said, well, why are you leaving? And I said, because you're about to start practice. He said, and I, I don't want to be, you know, coarse. And he said, I don't give a shit if you watch practice, watch practice. <laughs> and I remember at the end of the practice, he gathered the whole team around him and he said, guys, Kobe and Shaq hate each other. They will not pass each other the ball. I promise you we're going to beat them. Just like that. Wow. <laughs> As if he had said, it's 71 degrees outside. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I remember filing that because I thought they're going to get beaten five, right? So, I mean, I thought, okay, they're Everybody not going to. But just in case they somehow win this in seven, <laughs> you know, I'll remember that. <laughs> of course, they wound up winning in five because in game four, when they were down 2-1 and Shaq scored like 19 in the first quarter and was on his way to 60, <laughs> Kobe decided – yeah, he shot it up for tonight. He's good. Yeah. He just started got jacking shots. I'm double team the whole game. Don't matter. Tayshawn and Rip. Okay, I can I can bust both of y'all. It's unbelievable. <laughs> he just started jacking shots, and everybody's just looking at each other like, "What is he doing?" Shaq's like eleven for twelve in the first quarter. You know. <laughs> well, well, that was that, that was a fun that, that series too. You think about that one game that they won, game two. Uh, when he hit that three to tie to send it to overtime, I've never heard more writers curse at the same time than then at that moment. <laughs> we, all had, we were all ready to fire, especially East Coast writers. You know, game one, game two, in LA, we're just ready to hit send, and you yeah. know, Pistons go up two zero. You know, they they manhandled the Lakers. Like I'm done. I'm I'm just sitting there just waiting for the last couple seconds to tick off. He has that three. I'm telling you, everybody around me was <laughs> cursing up a storm, slamming, just going crazy. Mm-hmm. But the, but pandemonium throughout Staples because you know the fans were going berserk. Sure. And I and I, I remember at that moment I was like, man, I hope the Pistons sweep them in Detroit just for this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to come back here. Right. And when you know it, <laughs> that, that reminds me of. Uh... It was that that Phoenix series where Raja Bell clotheslines him, right? Yeah, it was and the I same remember, series, yeah. Yeah, I remember at the time, yeah. like, like fearing for the Suns, just mm-hmm. fearing for them. Like the next game, it was just like that was the that was the lore, right? Of just, yeah. oh man, he pissed off Kobe. Now yeah. what's going to happen? And it was like, it was it was just it was pure anticipation. Like as soon as that moment happened, I just remember me and my friends just going, "Oh my god, he's going to score seventy points. He's going to score mm-hmm. sixty points. Like he's just he's going to destroy them the next game because you believe that he was that maniacal." Yeah, I, I first uh, I first heard about Kobe when I was in college. It was this dude from Philly who had a newspaper article on his dorm room wall of Kobe at, at a lower Mary with a lower Marion union talking about this guy going to be next. He's going to be the next star. And, uh, I didn't even, I was like, yeah, whatever. Like most people, I really mm-hmm. became a fan of Kobe when he started, when he went to the, uh, prime with Brandy. Mm-hmm, and I right, was like, right. Oh, this dude legit right here. So <laughs> I, I was like, <laughs> I like this dude, right? He went snatched up Brandy, went to the prom, and Brandy was hot back then. You right. know, I want to be down was everywhere. So 
I was like, this dude is straight in high school and got Brandy going to the prom with him. Like, all right, all right. <laughs> and, you know, Courtney was, I mean, Kobe was a little bit corny to me, but Absolutely. he was so gangster. No, like, yeah. that's why we like alone, the, Marcus. His yeah, right. career. Like, oh, my goodness. Just, like, Kobe don't, like, just the audacity that he had, right? Yeah. The, yeah. The, the insufferable, like, relentlessness. Like, like you, everybody wished they had that element so you can mm-hmm. identify with that. Like, Kobe was the gangster everybody wanted to be. Right. <laughs> he just didn't. <clears throat> Like for me, he's a real version of what what Russell Westbrook want like is, like embodies right. People like who Russell Westbrook is and how mm-hmm. he like puts on that against all odds. Like Kobe, no, oh, he believed it. Yeah. it off the court. Like I, I, it. it was a preseason game years ago, like oh nine, and Stephen Jackson, who had wanted to, wanted out, right? He was trying to get traded. He had just signed his his max extension, even though he had two years left. And he was ready to go. So we were like in the Honda Center or something in Anaheim or Ontario or something like that. And he gets into it with Kobe in the first quarter. He like fouls out in the first quarter. Like, because Kobe elbowed him. Steven Jackson got mad. They start going at it. So Steven Jackson pops off after the game. Like, this is a preseason game, yo. Right. Steven Jackson pops off after the game. And Kobe. He he talks about it, but I had got what Steven Jackson said, so I was like, I'm gonna go take it to Kobe. Mm-hmm. So I was like, uh oh, Kobe, we gotta talk. And he's like, <laughs> What they say, man. And so I just I basically read him the quote that Steven Jackson said. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Man, tell Steven Jackson he's my guy. And then no, no. <laughs> he was so like, Oh, that's cute. They mad. Like you tell him I like you tell him I like it. I was like, dang, you you sure you wanna play him like that? Like mm-hmm. That, that's how you want you want you want to pat him on top of the head and say that's yeah, the, that's sure. the rudest trash talk you can he's, do. Yeah, he's There's not no he's reaction, not worthy right? of good of my trash oh talk. Oh my god, that's cute. Like, that's yeah, cute. I, I would give you a compliment right now. <laughs> you know, you, you, you spoke about Kobe's audacity, and you know, I'm sad now. I won't ever be able to ask him, but I remember one of his former teammates uh, was telling me about how motivated Kobe was, and just how. Just how just crazy he was about working out, and just how determined he was, um, and how you know he 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 retired with five rings. Yeah. But I had a teammate tell me that Kobe's goal was to retire with eight rings. Mm. He wanted to top Jordan. Yeah, of course. Sure. And not and not and not just get seven. He wanted right. eight. <clears throat> He wanted to retire with eight rings. And I've always wanted to ask him if that was true. Oh, I have no doubt you that was true. Um, <laughs> I have zero doubt that that's and true. And so, but, but yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I got it from a guy who I, I, pre- I trust, uh, you know, telling me that. He told me that, you know, about 10 years ago, like when he was still, you know, playing in his, in his peak and MVP status. And I was like, really? He's like, you know, he wants eight, man. Like, he don't want seven. He wants mm-hmm. eight. He wants to be better than Mike. Yeah. It's so it's so ironic that you would you know that he would take the the public persona of you know feigning dismay that people compared him to Kobe or to Michael when that's all he was when he came into the league oh, yeah. he it was, was like, a, no, he was I'm doing a too. Michael impersonation like, it, literally it was, like, it was like literally a cover band in the basketball yeah. you know I mean the way he walked and chewed like everything was Mike right. remember how hard he went in that All Star game exactly. when oh my god like, when he waved like off Carl Malone the yeah. moment of his life <laughs> in yeah. the garden in Madison Square Garden he's waving off Carl Malone <laughs> <laughs> I remember the look on Carmelo's face because I was sitting courtside. I remember the look on his face. He was literally like, "What the fuck am I doing in this game? <laughs> when can I get off this floor and go back home? Because this is stupid." You know. <laughs> I mean, how, how nuts do you have to be to really be like, "Man, I'm going at Mike in the yeah. All Star game." Like you, you gotta be. I mean, that that's. That's how nuts Kobe was. But I will say this, and I think this is important and something like we should be highlighting in the days to come, like especially when we're talking about NBA ratings and about growing the game. Yeah. Kobe was the OG who loved 
the current players. Yeah. yeah. Like he yeah. wasn't out here ripping dude. Like right. you could tell he enjoyed them. And yeah. you know, obviously he enjoyed that so many of them looked up to him. Mm-hmm. I remember how happy they were. Remember the last All-Star game, how just happy they were. Oh my God. Yeah. Be, uh, it was unbelievable, yeah. right? It was like like Steph Curry is like just giggly that he's next to Kobe in mm-hmm. the All-Star game locker room in his last game. It was like they like I'm sure he loved that position, but he respected the game so much that after he retired, he still big up the game. It wasn't yeah. he wasn't one of these. Oh, in my day, yeah, I mean, yeah. everybody kind of knew like in his day. But he's like, yeah, like these youngsters are, are good, man. I like them in a way yeah. that I think is good for the game. Yeah, no, yeah, you're I mean, right. Allen Iverson last night, and he's one. He's another one. That's all. Yeah, Iverson, absolutely another one. Yep. Yeah, and he was because he was talking about LeBron, and you know, I was I was there at when LeBron passed Kobe, and just to hear. The reverence with which um, LeBron speaks of Kobe, and you know, he, he talked about you know their relationship and just how you know the 2002 All Star Weekend. Uh, you know, he LeBron wound up playing in um, in New Jersey, uh, you know, Oak Hill Academy, mm-hmm. and he drove down to, to Philly to, to meet up with Kobe, and Kobe gave him some rare white and blue um, Adidas, and LeBron wound up playing in them. You know, um, you know, that night and it meant everything to him at that point that Kobe would even, you know, think about a high school kid. And um, so they've they've had this they had this sort of never really rivalry because they didn't meet, you know, in the finals. But there was always something there about who was the best, who was the best player in the game. And uh, and it was it was fun to watch. I wish that, you know, we would have had at least either in 2009 or 10 that we could have seen those guys go head to head. But. Um, you know, it's funny too when we talked about uh, Kobe and Mike. One thing that stands out to me too was the '03 All Star Game, Mike's last All Star Game. Mm-hmm. He hits he hit that pull up jumper over Sean Marion, right. and everyone's ready to say Mike, you know, wins the All Star exactly. Game. Exactly. <laughs> Kobe start hating. Yeah, he ruined it. <laughs> Mike, I was all ready for the walk off interview too. <laughs> Mike's last All Star Game. <laughs> Kobe, like, uh, yeah, Mike, uh, thanks for the shot and all, but uh, I'm about. To- Ruin your day. <laughs> I know. You oh, talk about people being mad. It was like oh, the storybook ending, you know? It was yeah. perfect. It was perfect. And Kobe, like, yeah, nah, I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, you talked you talked about the reverence that he has, you know, for the players. And I and I remember like seeing him it was either two thousand six or two thousand seven during the playoffs. He joined inside the NBA on TNT. Mm-hmm. And it was a Spurs game. And they were at halftime of a of, of the game, and and he's just like marveling at Manu Ginobili. Like mm-hmm. he's like, no, look at look at his footwork here. Look how he does like steps here, and like he's just going. Like I would love to get video of that because it's just like the appreciation he had for anybody who was just doing basketball a certain way, right? Like he yeah. like obviously his craft and working on that was was arguably unmatched in in the history of the game. But like just his appreciation for the way guys found advantages and everything. Like I, I just remember watching that of him just, just geeking out, just doing what, you know, what I do, what, you know, NBA Twitter is all this stuff, like just geeking out over a guy who was really good at basketball and appreciating that. I just like, to me, that just spoke volumes for how much he loved the game. Yeah. And that, and he was the type of dude who would literally try to cut your head off. And mm-hmm. if you survive, he respected you for surviving. Yes. Like, yeah. it's yeah. like, yeah, I'm going to try to, I will try to embarrass your family name. <laughs> but if somehow you stand, you're still standing afterwards. You my dog. Yeah. I remember uh, Steph. Remember, well, Steph was young, and everybody was like, "Ah, oh, he can't play point guard." So Kobe picks up Steph like from half court, and he's, you know, when Kobe wanted to defend, especially mm-hmm. when he was at his peak, he would lock you down, yep. and he was all over. So Steph could barely dribble. So of course, being Steph Curry, he. He stepped. He put, just stops dribbling, cuts all that out, and pulls up a thirty-five footer and hits it right in Kobe's face. <laughs> Opie pats him on the butt on the way back down, like like, hey man, hey, good shot, playboy, because I was on you. And like you know, you hardly see that anymore. There was like a certain old school rivers. Oh like, yeah, no, no, he respected for you. He respected yeah, he that. Respected no, these, no question. He, he respected he, people he, putting he, the work. No and he question. So many guys um, that are in the league now. I mean, you. You talk to, you know, you name it, Paul George, DeMar DeRozan, mm-hmm. Isaiah Thomas, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kyrie Irving. These are guys that he's, like, taking a mentorship role in their their, their lives and their careers. And these are guys that 
that any, and I remember, you know, I did a story about it, just how he's sort of the godfather now for these guys and how this was a role that he never thought he would, he would have, yeah. um, you know, in his life because he was so just, you know, driven and just, just focused, laser focused on one thing, being the best, being the best, being the best. And that's all that drove him to the point where it, it, it he didn't have the friends, you know, he didn't have those kind of relationships. He, because he was so single minded, yeah. but you know, I think toward the end in that last year when he had had a chance to reflect and then now in his retirement, you know, he realized that, you know, as, as much as he just wanted to be the greatest, the true impact that he had is what you're feeling right now. You can see the impact that he had on lives and how he motivated guys and, 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 and made them want to be better and, you know, inspired them, you know? Yeah. And I think that's, that's what a lot of people probably miss. And he even missed it. He, he didn't get a chance to really, understand it until now and it's and when his career is over that you know it wasn't just chasing mike it wasn't just getting those rings those are great but it's the lasting impact on players it's what you see in the in the um the way guys are honoring them you know in the games you know it's 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 what's going to happen probably for the rest of this year and for for a long time uh coming yeah. because yeah, the influence that you have, the people that you can touch and the people uh, in the ways you can touch them. That's that's really what it's about, you know, and just in just in, you know, he's he aspired to be great and he, and he reached it. Um, but the real greatness is just, you know, all the stardust that, that he left behind. Yeah, no, there's you know, <clears throat> I'm older than all of you. So <laughs> I, I approach these things a little bit differently. You know, the idea that anybody would even dare to uh, compare themselves in any way, directly or indirectly, to Michael Jordan just seems it's it's laughable to me, right? Yeah. I mean, there's you know, <clears throat> it's just laughable. Um, but I get it because I understand, that, like you mentioned, Mike, for all so many of these players of this era, he was Michael for them. <laughs> he was their yeah. Michael. And I get that. I understand that. And I appreciate oh, for that. For real. Facts. Yeah. And, and, and David, don't you think like to become as great as Kobe Bryant was, you have to have this insane mindset that, yeah, I could be I could be better than Michael Jordan. Absolutely. Right. Like, absolutely. I mean, and, and, and you're right. Like, it's it sounds absurd. Like, yeah. it sounds absolutely absurd. Like, uh, you know, we mentioned the audacity and, and everything. But like, it's, you know, a lot of guys can say, oh, yeah, I want to be as good as this. I like, he was the one guy that seem to really try to embody that right mm. like in, in the in it and not just do it like you know lebron lebron's done it in a very different way right lebron's yeah. lebron's tried to chase these ghosts in, in a very different way but kobe was just like no i'm gonna be him and i'm gonna be a better version and it right. didn't and he didn't end up doing it but like that was his method of doing it not i'm gonna find my own way so he's like no i'm gonna do it his way and i'm just yeah. gonna try to be better at it which is crazy but that was him yeah yeah. And that, that for me, like, you know, personally, the that audacity extended into the way he was like, yeah, it's me and my daughter and she's going as far as who takes us. Yeah. Like, and, <clears throat> there, you know, the quote on uh, I forgot what it was, maybe Conan, where he's like where Gigi is saying, I think it was Jimmy you don't Kimmel. need a son. Yeah. Kimmel. Yeah, you yeah. don't need it. You don't need a boy to do that. I got you. And he was all in on it. And that's mm -hmm. the, that's the part that touches me, like to see this player. And, and you know, it, it's very normal. I don't want to act like he's he's like special for raising his child. But mm -hmm. but all of our relationships in pro sports, at least the glorified ones are father and son. Yeah, like it's father and son. It's father and son. It's LeBron at Bronny's game, right? It's right. playing Michael. Tom, like he's out here, like taking his daughter everywhere on a course on a front row, right? And and I wouldn't be surprised if he's like, yeah, you're gonna make the NBA, you know? Right. <laughs> like it's the that audacity continued. It wasn't like it was just. Like it was so in him that he's like, all right, now I'm going to give it to you. And it's just such a great example to just watch a father be a father to his daughter on that level. It, it's, it's, it really is inspiring. Like it, like I got my daughter a pair of Kobe's to play volleyball just mm -hmm. because of that. Like she's playing volleyball. That's why I'm trying to hold it. I'm like, I'm at the volleyball game, right? And I'm hitting it. It's hit me and I'm getting all these texts. 
And this is her first tournament, y'all. So I'm really trying not to like sour right. this whole thing, I right? So you, I'm like bro. keeping it together. Yeah. I got to step out, come in. And I'm like, oh, I'm looking. And then I look down at her feet. She got on Kobe's. And I'm like, what are you doing to me? Right. <laughs> like, chill, like, trying to watch this. So I, I didn't even tell her afterwards. And I was like, yeah, you just going to ride. They went and got ice cream. And then afterwards in the car, we drive home. She's like, oh, yeah, did you hear about Kobe Bryant? I'm like, uh, well, I guess I guess I don't have to. <laughs> I guess right. I don't have to. Yeah, no. <laughs> right. But that, like that's that was big for me. Like for me, as I'm raising my daughter, like it matters to watch. like everything when you when you have a daughter, especially like everything, like you start seeing stuff. And for yeah. me, that's the correlation you make. I'm sure we have a son. I don't have a son. But when you have one, I'm sure you're looking at little boys and all that. So sure. just watching that for me is inspiring. And, and I'm glad he I'm glad he was a gangster enough to do it. Like, right. like, yeah, but this is my daughter. She about to be nice. Yeah. Yeah. And not not back away from it, you know, and and give her that, you know, that Mamba mentality that he talked a lot about. And you know, it was kind of like his his thing. Right. So, yeah, yeah it was uh, it was it, it's just. It's still so surreal. I can't even, you know, I can't even put my arms around this. I mean, I just don't. I, I it's, it's difficult for me to, to even think about him, you know, in the past tense, you know. And it's, right. it's been a tough week in that regard. Uh, you know, I was at David Stern's service, funeral service, not funeral service, his memorial service, I should say, yeah. on Tuesday in New York, and um, that was very emotional seeing so many people for, that I hadn't seen in years and just thinking about the, you know, there was three, 4,000 people there. And I mean, it was the whole lower bowl of Radio City Music Hall. And if you've ever been in Radio City Music Hall, you know, it's, it's about 6,000 people. Well, the whole lower bowl was full. And I was sitting there listening to people give their speeches and just thinking, you know, everybody in this room had his or her life fundamentally changed not not exclusively, but in large part because of one man, <laughs> because of David Stern, you know, and, and his ability to take these great players and put them on a platform that went around the world. That was not yeah. there <laughs> before he got there. <clears throat> so I was thinking, you know, you think about that and you just and it makes you sad, you know, because it feels like an error is passing. Then on Wednesday, uh, the legendary coach at my high school, the math high school, Morgan Wooten, passed away at eighty, at eighty three. Who had, you know, was was basically the reason why Dematha is known around the world is because of its basketball team, and he was the coach for that whole time um, up until he when he retired a few years ago, um, and that's been personally just. Grow, you know, just difficult for me. I didn't play for him, but I've I've told everybody I felt like he was my coach too, even though I didn't play for him, <laughs> because he just gave you so much pride in in being an alumnus of the school because of the way he carried himself, because of the way the team carried himself. And now you have this, and I just don't, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I, I don't know what to do about how to kind of compartmentalize all of this these feelings that are going through me. Um, it's just, it's hard to kind of, it's hard to kind of understand what, to, how to react to it. Um, because he was so young. Um, you know, he, I was always older than him, you know, and I never thought of him as a son. I certainly didn't think of him that way, but I thought of him as my, you know, kind of like my, knucklehead nephew, you know, like, you know, you know, who was really, really blessed with incredible talent and you came to respect it. And I certainly came to respect him. Um, I remember Gary Vitti was the trainer for the Lakers forever. You know, he was telling the story. I'm sure he told you guys the story as well over the years that when Kobe tore his Achilles against the Warriors and he's lying there on the floor with a torn Achilles and he says, you think I could, you think we could tape it up? And I think we could tape it up. <laughs> and Gary goes, do you see your Achilles is rolled up to your knee? <laughs> no, we can't tape it up. You can't play anymore. You know, Yo, he shot the free throw. And he shot the, he shot the free throws, right. <laughs> yeah. I have a funny story about that too. Cause he had, a, um, he separated his shoulder in New Orleans uh, you know, his season ended the next season, I think, or two years season after that, his, his, it ended uh, with a separated shoulder in New Orleans. And I was there 
um, to do it, to try to get an interview with him. Cause he said, I could talk to him about something and, um, and he separated his shoulder in the game. And I was like, Oh my gosh, there's no way he's going to want to do this interview after separating his shoulder. Like, yeah. Oh man, it's, it's probably over. Kobe showed up out of the uh, locker. I mean, out of the, uh, the shower, right. Fully dressed with a backpack on. And we were like, how in the heck did he get a backpack on with a separated shoulder? Right. Mm-hmm. And he just wound up talking like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, it shouldn't take, it shouldn't keep me out very long. I'll be back. And everybody's looking at each other like, we just saw you <laughs> grab your arm and not be able to lift it. Like, how are you okay? And, but we all believed that he was okay. <laughs> and then he wound up giving me like five, six minutes afterward to talk about something else. And I'm, I'm thinking he's okay. The next day, like Kobe Bryant done for the year. And I'm like, how did this dude pull this off? Like, he was determined to look like a man of steel. And that's why his death is so shocking because Kobe doesn't die because Kobe was unbreakable. He was right. indestructible. Like yeah. he was this machine that you couldn't break down. Yeah. Um, and who refused to be defeated in any way. And it's just, it's just, man, yeah. it's sad. It's, it's just and, sad. And I think too, just, I mean, obviously his age, his daughter being in the wreck, um, you know, other families being involved in everything. It's just like loss always brings about confusion. You know, mm-hmm. like it's always why did this happen? How did this happen? What could have prevented it? Like it's just all it ever brings is more con- is more questions. Yeah. And because it's not just him, right? Because mm-hmm. it's it's his daughter and it's other families involved and the pilot and everything like it's like that. It just it feels like such an overwhelming confusion. And I don't know. I don't know when that goes away, you know. Yeah. No, I, I don't think it, I don't think it does. And it won't for a while because, you know, <clears throat> you know, these are, these are substantive people we're talking about, you know, whether it's David Stern or, or Kobe Bryant, these are, these are people who had tremendous impact on the culture of sports and, and specifically the, the league that we all cover. Right. I mean, <clears throat> I was looking at my phone because you know, our, our, you know, among the many people that are talking to us today at, at the athletic, you know, somebody said, "Well, does anybody have any pictures of Kobe Bryant?" And I was I was amazed how many pictures I had of Kobe Bryant in my phone. <laughs> I was I was <laughs> stunned. I couldn't believe it. You no, know, like again, I live in D.C. I'm not in L.A. every day. I don't cover them right. every day. And I just looked at my phone. I was like. Wow, I've got a lot of pictures of Kobe in here, you know. Um, you know, because I was at his retirement. I was at reti- his Jersey retirement. I was at the the last game. Um, I was at the the last All Star game in Toronto. Um, and so it's just you just you just think about all the encounters you had with this one person because of their unique skill and their unique ability to display that skill at the absolute highest level. Um, that you can. And it's just, it's, it's just like you say, I just can't fathom that that light has been extinguished. It just doesn't seem like that's even possible. Um, I I, I can't deal with the daughter, man. Like I can't, that that just, that, that really, I've been asking, I asked a friend, like, like, why does she have to be, you know, why, why, I, I know Kobe would, would, give everything ever to yeah. to keep her off of that flight. And I'm like, just why? And I, that's the part that that really is, is just killing me. Yeah. And uh, one of my friends texted me and said, you know, like they, maybe they were so close that neither could imagine life without the other, mm. you know? Yeah. And I, I thought that was a, a pretty comforting thought because it's just unfathomable. Yeah. Well, it's, I, it's I, cruel. I it's cruel. Yes. Yes. It's, it's just it's, a cruel, it's, it's a, it's cruel that, that because of his success and his largesse, he could afford to take a helicopter to a basketball game. <laughs> Instead of being on a 405 with everybody else, you know, complaining about the traffic on a Sunday afternoon, you know, right. and that's just that just seems cruel. Right. I mean, it just seems like that's so unfair, you know. Um, so I, I don't you know, it's, again, it's just it's we probably should just stop here. Uh, you know, I think we, you know, uh, I'll, I'll 
I will definitely yield the floor to everybody if they have some final thoughts. But I, I just feel like, you know, maybe the best thing for everyone to do uh, in the hours and days to come is is to just kind of try and contemplate, you know, life and contemplate the, the preciousness of it. Um, I know because of these recent losses and other losses, uh, it's been a lot of death around lately. And um, I, 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 I'm trying very hard to tell people that I care about that I care about them. And, um, and I think maybe we all should try and do that. But y'all go, you know, close it out with whatever you want to say or whatever is left in your heart about uh, what, what we're all trying to deal with. Uh, for me, just my thoughts are with, you know, uh, his daughters, his his wife, uh, his family, um, the family, the families that were also involved in this. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, David. Just tell the people that you love that you love them. I mean, I, I, I my heart is just like rendered mm-hmm. for Vanessa and. I mean, and and just that family, like, I can't even imagine. I've lost my father. I've lost my sister. Yeah. You know, I've watched my best friend's son die way too young. Like, death, where I'm from and how I was raised is just a part of life. Mm-hmm. It, like, it's it's a normal thing. So mm-hmm. the part that, that I want to leave with is I'm just thankful that Kobe was a father. And... I just encourage people to be present parents, right? Mm-hmm. To to just to 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 leave a legacy where your children know who you are and and and, and they can value you. David, you gave up a whole lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I did. You know what I'm saying? Because, it, because you got to be home, and right. and I know black fathers have gotten a bad rap, but. That dude was a dad, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think you guys said it best. Um, I, I don't know what else to add other than just try to inspire somebody. You know, right. even if it's, if you can't inspire the world, just the person next to you, the person in your house, be the best that you can be and uh, and hope that you can be that light for somebody. Because, um, you know, we all feel that pain today. Because, you know, even though we may not know Kobe, he touched us in some way. He affected mm-hmm. us in some way. Um, we all have that opportunity to, to affect anybody's life. Um, we all have the opportunity to touch somebody and uh, just just try to be that life for somebody because um, you can always inspire. Yeah, I think that's a great way to end, Michael. Um, and thank you. And thank you, Marcus. And thank you, Zach, for, for joining uh, short notice on a day where I think all of us would rather be with our thoughts and with our families. Um, but, you know, we want to let the world know that what this, what this man meant to so many of us, um, and what he meant to the world and that we, we acknowledge that and we acknowledge the gift and we thank him for it. And we, send our deepest condolences to his family and to his many friends and all the people that, that really did love him as a, as a player. Um, he was by far the most beloved Laker that I've ever seen personally, you know, uh, since magic, um, and maybe more beloved than magic even, I don't know, but we'll leave it there and, uh, God bless y'all. Have a good evening. About your own team, you're coaching your daughter's I team. Am, I am. They're doing well, though. I mean, they've been playing for like a year and a half. Year What's their record? Uh, they don't have seasons. It's crazy. They just have tournaments like every weekend. I see. And if they don't win the tournaments, do you like? Do they have to sleep in the yard or anything like that? Or? <laughs> no food for a week. <laughs> yeah, because if anyone, if that anyone would think like that, yeah. I would think it would be the mom of their talent.
our daughters, Natalia, Gianna, and Bianca. You, know, you guys know that you know, if you do the work, you work hard enough, dreams come true. But hopefully what you get from tonight is the understanding that uh, those times when you get up early and you work hard, those times when you stay up late and you work hard, those times when you don't feel like working, you're too tired, you don't want to push yourself, but you do it anyway. That is actually the dream. That's the dream. It's not the destination, it's the journey. If you guys, if you guys can understand that, then what you'll see happen is that you won't accomplish your dreams. Your dreams won't come true. Um, something greater will. And uh, if you guys can understand that, then I'm doing my job as a father. Thank you guys so much. I love you. And, uh, Mamba out.